Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast, where it's the goal of the podcast to communicate some late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broad array of topics and the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to the broad array of stakeholders that are in the ResNet ecosystem. So whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, or appraiser, you want to hear about the evolving trends in home energy ratings and related topics. So building any new home requires a tremendous attention to detail. If you're looking for high-performance features, the details skyrocket. The details of what a customer or consumer wants, what materials and designs are available and proven, are super critical for proper integration into a sometimes unique yet always complex system. They're only a way to collect and evaluate these details in advance to improve performance, lower cost, and shorten build times. Well, there is. Today we have multi-award winning builder Jay Epstein joins us to discuss Building Information Modeling, or BIM, B-I-M, and these systems and how they can integrate and connect all the building plans across the trades. Now, across his 30-year career as a builder in Virginia, Jay always strives to appeal to a buyer's senses while searching for simplicity of the build. He's going to share with us some key insights like understanding a new home buyer's perspective by reflecting on the house that they're coming from and how using BIM for high-performance home can achieve a cost neutrality or even better sometimes than market rate equivalent homes. Jay serves often as the interpreter between technical numbers and a customer's expectations. Now we'll get a chance to take a virtual walk through some of the communities he's built and is building now. And the road to these results and the road to these communities is paved with research and learning from subcontractors and consultants like his HERS Raiders. So let's listen in as Jay tells us about Can BIM Grease the Path to Zero to Zero Net Energy Homes with Jay Epstein. So Jay, you're from Health E Communities, is that correct? Enterprise of Virginia. That's correct. And we just had a chat before we got on and we pressed the record button. And we're talking about sort of a technical topic, but you gave me a little preview of this that talked about the experience of the consumer. Why don't we kind of dig into that, which is a little different twist than a lot of the technical details we always talk about in the podcast. Tell me about the appealing to the senses. How does that factor in to the work you've done? What happens is, is that we have a lot of numbers coming out. We've got U values, R values. We talk about a thermal blanket. We talk about just different factors in creating the home that we're going to design from the three-dimensional modeling to the databases that include the costs of the homes, the schedules, the production specification, the engineering data. And then we get involved in things like the SEER value of the mechanical. We are looking at ERVs and the wattage use. We're looking at windows, U-values, R-values, Argon, I-86 windows. We can get into a lot of detail about what we're doing. But it's important to realize that we need to actually deal with what the consumer can understand. We're overwhelming the consumer with a lot of numbers. So a few years back with the Innovation Award, I submitted the simplicity of the build. And that was all about advanced framing techniques that we've done for 30 years and then bringing in some new technology, the multi-stage compressor, 
the ERV. And in the same regard, we need to think about how are we marketing a high-performance home to the buyer. We don't want to overwhelm their senses. We don't want them to go away, especially in a retirement community that I am in Williamsburg, Virginia, where people that are in my age group that are they, they're looking for a sense of security. They're looking for a healthy home. And that's what they're, it's all about to them. So we need to be able to communicate to them how this can happen. So literally, some of those numbers are, are numbing, <laughs> N-U-M-B, <laughs> numbing to, to people. And you, you need to communicate at sort of, not at their level, but at the point that they appreciate things. So to, to develop this perspective, you didn't do this overnight. So give me some sense of your history and your background, please. Yes. Been building for 30 years. Back in the Carter administration is when I really got to start. It was back before Sam and the DOE. It was back when... um, That's Sam Reshkins? Sam Reshkins, yes. It's back when George James headed it up. And it was back during that time that the government was more involved dollar-wise in developing what were energy-efficient homes. And there were different teams that were out there. I was involved with Joe Stieberg's team, Betsy Pettick, and we were building homes in Virginia, and I was building homes in Georgia. And one story I can relate to is when Bush and Gore were running for election, there was a strategic oil release. Who Were we going to do it or not? And they wanted to showcase the government that we were building energy-efficient homes. Back in those days, I was building homes that would showcase a heating and cooling bill of no more than a dollar a day. And we've come further than that back now, but that's where I go back to. But now I see a change in the buyer, and I see a change in the builders. And the younger builders are coming along, and they're building these high-performance homes. And it's exciting. I'm going to have to stop you there to put a pinpoint on the timeline. People may not know when the Carter administration is. They may have been born before it. <laughs> so that's 1977 to 1981. For those of you who heard Carter administration, you're going like, what is that? Yes. Okay. Okay. So let's return to the conversation. I just want to put a little marker in time here to talk about sort of the distance between what you saw happening back then. And you say there's a resurgence now. And how is that resurgence different? Well, we're starting to be able to have the technology to build these high-performance homes that are healthier, that are safer to live in. There is actually a turn towards electrification of homes, beneficial electrification, if you're talking to people in the solar industry. It's all about building a tighter home, building a home that has enhanced indoor air quality and is healthier for the person living in the home. I was just at the EVA convention and I was sitting in at one of the meetings and there was a slide showcasing this electrification, this idea of not using natural gas in the homes. Well, and it's showcasing now that there's studies that it's attributable to asthma in the house. And if you think about it, why would you want to have this tight home and then bring natural gas into it? And bring combustion and the possible effluents and particles. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, we know that gas leaks. I don't care if it's a high-end gas stove or if it's a low-end gas stove. It's They're going to leak. There's going to be some type of leakage. And also the exhaust fans and things like that are going to pull that conditioned air out. And maybe it's not going to be an effective exhaust fan. There's, there's still a lot of, I don't want to call it debate, but there's a lot of variability in the performance of kitchen exhaust and 
There's studies at LBL you're probably aware of, which talk about the particulates that are released in cooking and other types of materials. So yeah, it, it all ties into a healthier environment to have the gas out. So I've been building all electric homes for 20 some years. I started out in the affordable marketplace and we didn't want a dual service charge. So we only have one service charge, which is all electrical. That's how it came about for me at the very beginning. But now there's other reasons, as we've discussed. But as we sit here and we create these homes, we have to go back to that buyer. So we'll talk about the buyer itself and how they perceive it. So when we talk about a buyer coming in to the home, we can't just compare it to a code home that's 2012 or which code you're building to 2009 or 2015 in comparison. We need to compare it to their home, what they're living in now. And 85% of the homes out there are the older, older homes. So to give you an example, we'll talk about the air quality for a second. And in our homes that we build, you can notice a difference in the clarity of the air. And air is something you don't see, but you do see dust particles. So on a Saturday afternoon, and this is an example that I'll use, on a Saturday afternoon, you're at home and the sun's coming through your windows. If you're in this older home, you'll see those dust particles. But if in the new home that you're in today, the way that they're built, those dust particles you don't see because we're filtering out the pollens that are coming in from the outside with a MERV-13 through the ERV. And we can have things like clean effects or other type of purification of the air within itself. The houses are just cleaner. So it's an example that people can relate to. Another example, which is, it's kind of neat, is that I had a family come in and we talk about, we use a recirculating pump. And with the recirculating pump for the hot water, you'll get your hot water within five to 10 seconds. You push a button on demand, you'll get your hot water anywhere in the house. So we talk about what do you do with when you woke up this morning and you took your shower? How long did it take you to get your hot water? And they're going, oh my gosh. And you know, when I'm looking at my watch and I'm just going, and we're talking just like we're talking now. I said, well, 15 seconds has passed. Do you have your hot water? No, they, they shake their head. And we go for a minute. Have you had your hot water? No. And it's just, well, you'll have your hot water when you need your hot water with this home, how we build the homes with the recirculating pump, the structural plumbing, the loop system, the insulated hot water lines. It's going to get you hot water when you need it. But you're making a change not only to your lifestyle, but you're saving for the community up to seven or 8,000 gallons of water a year in your home alone. Right. Just running through yeah, the clearing charge or something it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And it's remarkable as long as we're relating to the senses. So when we talk about a sense of security, knowing your high performance home is built right, that's when BIM, which is that building information modeling that we're using, and HERS can make a real connect. It's at that point that we can start working together as a team. The BIM operating program can actually kick out the information that the rater needs as it's creating this. And I use a company called Digibuilt out of Chicago. And it's the Digibuilt twin is created before the home is built. So we've got this clone in the sky and all the engineering details are worked out, including the plumbing. So go through, so these are the plumbing, structural, the HVAC, even the duct runs, what all is included? Even the duct, this, (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up. 
in the old day, and not 30 years ago, but just a couple years ago before before BIM. Yeah, maybe two years ago before BIM. What happens is, is that we would create a set of plans through the architect. We would go to get our building permit, and then the mechanical, the heating and cooling contractor, would submit their own plans, the Model J, Manual J, and the Manual D. And then they'll get their permit. The plumber, the same thing. We'll get their permit. Nothing connects together. Now, with the BIM operating program, what happens is with this engineering detail, all this is fed back into this operating program when this digital twin is being created. So we're able to see ahead of time where there's conflicts. We're we're able to really see the whole house in the 3D and look at these runs. In addition to conflicts, perhaps even opportunities to improve, right? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, the duck runs, shortening the duck runs, the looping system. And you may decide that I can move this bathroom a little bit. Look at my runs. Because as we're filling out, as we're in chase, should I use the word chase, for the HERS numbers, to lower those numbers down, we're looking for opportunity. And this is where the opportunity starts, where we're looking at the different equipment that we're using. We went with, to a multi-stage compressor, and we went to a thermal break on the exterior and with a uh, ERV and good windows, U-values, 0.28. See, here I am talking about numbers again. No, you're numbing <laughs> us again, Jay. Come on. <laughs> I tell you, let me backtrack from that because what we're talking about... It's okay. We're tolerant people here. Yeah. <laughs> but to put that in the basic terms, we're talking about keeping you when we have that global warming that we're going through in that summer that it's so hot and these high efficiency homes are struggling with keeping the home cool or in that winter humidity level yeah and the humidity oh yeah well the humidity level oh it's that's another story in itself a few years but what's going on is that now we're talking about something that we need to relate to that buyer so we're talking about Knowing that you're going to be cool. It's like, I guess, one of the, we could segue into a picture that could be a a little girl or a little boy on a water slide coming down and cooling off. And it's late August. And this is how you feel inside of your home. You're cool. And from the builder standpoint, you're not getting those warranty issues. You know, you've got a home that works. Really talking about a number of things here. There's the BIM, the building information modeling which allows you to integrate sort of the new complexities, but the new complexities give you tremendous opportunity to move towards zero net energy for the structure, as well as providing the sensible benefits of comfort and health and things that people are looking for. So it's a, I wouldn't call it a conundrum, but it's an interesting thing and you do need to have some kind of clarity. So the building information modeling, is that something that's largely adopted? Or I've heard of it before, I believe, in the commercial space. Is that correct? Yes, yes. In the residential, it's new. But it plays itself well with the high-performance home. And as code is increasing in its demands and how the homes are built, as it kind of scares me to think about a builder coming in and having to choose, check this box off, check this box off. And then do these systems communicate together? Do they work well together? Are we causing a problem? You brought the word up humidity in a home. That's an issue on these tight homes. It was an issue a few years back with the ERVs. They were just standalone. And some of the answers were simply, 
shut down on those high humid days, just um, shut them down to 10% operation. But that wasn't the right answer. Now we found that a multi-stage compressor that will ramp up and help to dehumidify, that run in line with an ERV that is doing a little bit of dehumidification, but with the two pieces together, it's a great way to dehumidify a home, and it works. And except in special cases, it's like the beach home that we just won the national award in. We do have dehumidification because we knew that the home buyer in that situation would be opening their windows and enjoying the beach and the humidity is just going to jump in and that we needed to have dehumidifiers in that house to be able to take the humidity out. We couldn't rely on the base system because of the amount of time that the windows are open and the response that the homeowners would want when they closed them up in the evening. Some of these complexities and details, it seems like a lot of the aspects from a HERS rater standpoint, and even the new water rating index, I believe that's, that's coming out soon. All these factors are something that a HERS rater could get involved with earlier in the process. Is that something that you see happening or are you trying to make happen? Well, this is what we're trying to make happening. So as we fill out those forms to them, but we're looking, our home's average HERS is 46, 47 before solar. So we would like to improve on that. So we're looking for that HERS rater to be able to input a few extra pieces in the model, take off the standard, go in and open it up and say, measure our duck runs, input that information in there. Look at the mechanical systems that we're using. Look at how we can shave off a point here using a better system. But it's really fine-tuning. We can get the HERS rater the information of the basic home that works and let the HERS rater do the fine-tuning and let them come in and have time to do that. If we can input from the Digibuilt twin the information, the tracker information, and send that over to the rater, then the rater is spending less time inputting. We can make their job easier and we can let them concentrate on making their job exciting. And looking not just to make sure that there's checks and balances, but looking if there's any opportunities and some creative aspects too, taking some of the numb out of numbers. So the houses that you're building, how do they compare on pricing to the market rate? And if they're a different price level, how do you sell that? And how does that go? Actually, we're cost neutral. Cost neutral. Great. We're cost neutral because of the BIM operating program. Now, that's... (laughs) The BIM operating program, because we know our numbers, we can get better bids on the product. We can look at our design and do away with some of the peers that we had in our old designs in the foundation. We can look at redoing the way that our floor trusses are laid out, looking at any type of cost savings that are involved in it. We're just going to um, module homes right now. We're just where the walls are being modularly built. And we're like panelized construction? Panelized construction, yes. And using the uh, DigiBuild concept, the BIM concept, and it just flows together. But you'll see that there's savings that other builders can really do because we build things. And a lot of times we don't have control of our pricing. We take it out to bid to our subcontractors and they come back with numbers. But They may be thinking, and take siding as an example, that it's 500 hours to put the siding on the house. BIM is showing us that in labor, it should be 300 hours. And what we're finding is that BIM is pretty much correct. 
when you look at takeoffs on materials, and we'll talk about siding, your siding contractor is going to include all the openings, not in that takeoff bid. So there's nothing taking off for those openings. And it works out to about a 20% extra in materials. We did a 10% with the BIM, and we were right on. So there were savings. So we reduced the timing that the subcontractor thought it would be from 500 to 300. I think it worked out to like 340 hours. And we reduced the material by 10%. So that was true savings. So you can pocket that money if you want, or you can use it to create your high-performance home and offset those added costs. Just by having the understanding of how things come together. Exactly. And utilizing what the BIM can do. So you obviously you won an award. Congratulations. Thank you. You're at the EBA conference. And are there other people out there like you doing this kind of thing or things similar to what you're doing? I can't speak for the BIM. We're starting to see people through Digibuilt pick up other companies. So yes, there's people coming online on what we're doing. But as far as your high-performance homes, they're going to start to become a standard. They're still there 1% of the marketplace, but as the market is changing, people are going to look at this as a sense of security and safety. They're going to want these in their homes. It's just a matter of buyer awareness. And when we take that buyer awareness and we go back to the Raider and the data that the Raider collects at the uh, pre-sheetrock, they're coming out and they're doing the duck blaster and they're looking for the insulation values. They're taking their pictures of the caulking. They're looking throughout the house, looking at gaps, things like that, shooting their pictures. And then when they go for their, and you have your blower door. And if there's, we're trying to look for leakage and they're there to help the builder or the subcontractor to just build a better product. And then when we get through the final phase of the building, they're back again. And they're doing their blower door on the house itself. And they're writing down all the information on all the equipment. And so they're verifying that that equipment that was supplied to them is what's there at final. So what we're doing is we're taking back that information. We're, we're taking them and bringing them into the limelight. We're making the rater important, not only to the builder, but to the consumer. You'd said offline before we talked about taking them out of this kind of cloud in the background, this dark cloud in the background, and putting them in the forefront of the radar to be the assistant in bringing these things out, these great features out, and thinking about the ways things can be done correctly. So that's the tie-in there. Yeah, but I did describe it two ways. The dark cloud was only for the subcontractor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because they're the ones worrying about whether they passed or not. But they're finding that actually they are a team player and and the sun is shining and we're all working together. We're learning. We're learning the process through their information that's gathered. And then that's supplied to DigiBuild. And that in the build ID, which is the last part of this whole BIM operating program, that's where the data is retained and stored in the cloud. And the homeowner has access to this information to ultimately improve that homeowner's experience. And that, again, is where you get that sense of security and knowing your high-performance home was built right. And that's where that information, the blower door, the duck blaster, that's where the pictures that were taken become historical piece of their home. And now they have access to it. Wouldn't you feel better knowing how your home was built instead of just handing over a key? Yes, especially with the hidden details and features that you can't see otherwise. So 
And like I mentioned before, I'm going through the process right now. I'm having a modular home, custom modular built in a factory. And I was there actually just a couple of days ago looking at the insides and getting an appreciation for that. But definitely be great to have it all loaded up into the cloud for our future access. Oh, yeah. And it's just, and even when you go to resale your home, they've taken it to, DigiBuild has taken it to a step further. They've created an ID. So it's like a VIN number. So each one of my homes will actually have its own number that is specific for that home and that information for that home when it was built and how it was built. I mean, a lot of the analogies you're drawing here, it's really to computer-aided design for cars. Now we're doing computer-aided design and modeling for homes, and we're providing this serialization or this intimate information about the nuances and the details of the home. There's got to be a lot of quality improvement there to have all this information coming together in one place and to have the rater involved in understanding that. Does your rater work in the BIM or do they interface with it somehow? Not yet. Not yet. That'll be the next step that we're doing. We're basically the beta for DigiBuild. So we're in the process of starting to create this process that we described. It'll be the next step. But we are getting input from Top Build and from Scott about what information they would like to have, the wall area worksheet, the glazing, the takeoff sheet, and how it all ties into the res check so we can incorporate it in our plans. And then we are seeing through the BIM that it's just user-friendly. The data can be created easily and it can be sent off and it can make the Raider's job easier. And the Raider now can spend that extra time that they have looking for improvements in the home and how we build them. So we've covered a lot of ground today. And I wanted to see if you had any kind of final thoughts or points you wanted to draw out uh, about talking about this process of BIM, net zero, comfortable homes, and the Raider's involvement. Anything in there we missed or skipped? Well, I think if we recap what we talked about, it's important for us to be understood, not by the builder, but by the home buyer. I think we have a product to sell on the marketplace, and it has to be sold through awareness. We have to be able to showcase how a high-performance home or a zero-energy home benefits the buyer. And it's beneficial not only by your utility bill, but about taking part in the global acknowledgement that we have a problem, that looking at our carbon print and reducing our carbon print, I can actually segue, and we maybe next year we'll do one of these, but we're at a level now that we're putting solar on the roofs of a home. And now we can step back and we're starting a new community in Williamsburg, Virginia. And that new community is going to have a solar garden, a microgrid that's specific for the community of 60 homes. So we're able to remove the rooftop solar. And what that does, it's beneficial not only for the home buyer, but it keeps the trees. I was on the phone the other day and I was talking to the uh, Solar Alliance group and I was talking to the Sierra Club. And I said, guys, you all can be teammates now. We're keeping the trees and we're having solar. But it's exciting about the potential of our future because Back and we'll go back. What was that date? 1970s, 80s with the Carter administration. (laughs) (laughs) Even you're forgetting now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But when I was talking about fuel cells the size of a dishwasher, solar on the rooftops, 
Now we're finding out that today that our future is not going to be just solar on the rooftops. There'll be the microgrids grids that'll run a community and they'll have battery backup and maybe gas turbines. It's all getting ready to change and it's all helping the grid and it's reducing the carbon print. So I'm still excited about our future. And every time I think I've started and stopped on what I want to do in life, a new chapter opens. And that's the next chapter that's unfolding. That's so great. That's a great way to end there. And you do have an energy in your voice, a smile in your voice. Love to meet you in person sometime. And do you go to any of the ResNet conferences? You said you're at EBA. Where could people reach out to you and get in touch if they wanted to? Really, it's my email address, which is jay at h for healthy, e for energy, c for community, dash va for Virginia dot com. Also, they can go to our community website for the new one, Walnut Farm, which is wfsolarhomes.com. And that's WF for Walnut Farm, then solarhomes.com. That's two ways to reach out to me. But it's interesting times. Like I said, we just finished. Walnut Farms is the first zero energy ready community in Virginia. And we just had our grand opening two months ago. And it is basically. Our homes, and you brought this up before about the added cost for high performance, it is cost neutral. We're adding a 5.9 kW solar to the rooftop for $14,500. And what that means to the home buyer is that their payback is like five years, four months because of that cost neutral, which is attributable to the BIM operating program, DigiBuild, which is the name of the company. But it's like I said, there's just, there will always be another chapter. As <laughs> <laughs> so, the listeners of the Res Talk podcast wait for the next chapter to unfold, we really appreciate you coming on today, Jay, right. and sharing your energy, your vision, your history, and some of the new areas of breaking ground, and including on houses, as well as breaking ground in terms of technology and information. Thanks again, Jay. Okay, thank you. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast, and we hope you learned something and got some things and some ideas that'll change your perspective, satisfy your curiosity. So if you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or to join the email list. You can also find Resnet on Facebook or Twitter at ResnetUS, R-E-S-N-E-T-U-S. Here's a quote for today that relates to the topic at hand. This is by David O. Selznick, who's a Pittsburgher and a late American film producer who produced Gone with the Wind. The success of a production depends on the attention paid to detail. I think that's what Jay illustrated in our conversation today here about BIM paving, greasing the path to zero for zero net energy homes. So if you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard today or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. And please rate it if you're on the iTunes system. Give us a rating, a ranking on the podcast. We'd really appreciate that. So I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I want to thank you for listening to the ResTalk podcast. And we'll welcome you back again to learn more about ResNet to the ResTalk podcast. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the ResTalk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn, produced by Brian Orr, and is a production of ResNet. 
the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes or the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.